I'm Jen Opoff Gray, founder and artistic director of Forward Theatre Company, and this is Theatre Forward, a twice-monthly conversation about theatre from a local, regional, and national perspective. From Madison to Manhattan, we're excited to share insight into our own company while exploring issues surrounding theatre in the Midwest and around the country. Welcome to episode 38 of Theatre Forward. For this episode, I'm thrilled to welcome three of my favorite humans and artists who are joining me for a conversation about how theater education programs are adapting to the challenges presented by COVID-19. From American Players Theater, we have core company actor and their director of education, David Daniel. We have Marcella Kearns, wearer of many hats, including associate artistic director of Milwaukee Chamber Theater and adjunct instructor in theater at Carthage College and Marquette University. And we're also joined by Shante Miller, a brilliant young actress frequently seen on Forward Stage, who's going into her sophomore year at Juilliard. Welcome to all three of you. Thank you. Thanks. It's so good to have all of your voices in my life during this time. <laughs> um, Shante, let's start with you as an actual student in theater education right now. Um, so you were in the middle of your freshman year at Juilliard when everything changed. Tell me what your year had been like and, and what it was like to have to shift uh, your education so abruptly. Yeah, my year was really great. I had, I had a really, really good first year. Um, as you know, the schedule is really demanding. So we work 14 hours a day, six days a week with Sundays off. Um, so I was just, I felt like I was just finally getting into the swing of things, getting the hang of everything and figuring out how to manage my time and working with liberal arts as well as memorizing lines and being in class all the time. And, you know, then COVID happened in March. I think it was the beginning of March. And it was really interesting to have to shift to doing everything virtually because it was the first time that any of us had done that. And working in a craft that's so you know, it requires you to share the same space with everyone. It was just really difficult to learn how to do that. But I mean, it worked out, which is good. <laughs> what, what, what was maybe the hardest part or the most fun part about having to do your education online? Because I know all of us who work in theater, that was one of the first things we thought about is, oh my God, how do you teach this over Zoom? Yeah, I think the hardest part for me was motivation just because I knew it wasn't going to be the same. Um, and so like waking up at 8 a.m. to go to class online and stare at a screen for 12 hours was just not not fun for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you got at least the, the first chunk of your year in person so that you were able to build those relationships with your cohorts yeah. and at least have, have that kind of support. I, I really... I, I think about students who are maybe starting their first year this mm -hmm. fall. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had at least those connections. Um, I'm going to come back to what the year ahead looks like for you, but um, Marcy, hey. um, tell us a little bit about um, the education work you do in the many different realms. And I, you know, when I introduced you and talked about Milwaukee Chamber Theater and your, your professor gigs, I didn't even talk about your work with First Stage. Right. So can you maybe walk us through the different theater education um, roles that you play around the Milwaukee area? Sure. I, I feel very fortunate to wear those hats. I, as our Associate Artistic Director at Milwaukee Chamber Theater, education and literary is really 
under my purview. The flagship program that we have at MCT is the Young Playwrights Festival, which has three branches. It's annual school year residencies that teach one-act playwriting for high schoolers. It's an annual playwriting competition and then a biennial showcase. We select six plays from the top 10 of two years running to put on stage with emerging professionals, um, with established professionals in town so that um, high school playwrights who at that point may very well be in college to get a chance to see their work premiered on stage or to hear it on stage for the public. Um, so that's uh, besides the the general kind of work that I know a lot of theaters do, which is pre and post show workshops for student matinees and that kind of thing. Um, that's really our preeminent work. For the universities, at which I, I feel again very fortunate to be an adjunct, I teach a, a variety of things. Sometimes acting for non-majors, sometimes periods and styles. So acting three down at Carthage, which is primarily Shakespeare for the, um, for the theater and musical theater majors. And uh, at Marquette, so far I've uh, worked with some theater appreciation, but this fall I'll be doing a, um, an in-depth look at um, a variety of playwrights. So more a dramatic literature course rather than an acting course. Um, and at first stage, what I do primarily these days is work with the uh, advanced core, the young company, um, which is uh, under the direction of Matt Daniels, who I know Ford audiences will know, and um, which Shantae was a part of too. It's, uh, I got to know her before she was, but then got to see her work through that, um, that educational process as well. Well, that's what I do. <laughs> so, so um, you know, kind of, in, can you recap how the sort of what feels sudden to all of yes. us, emergence of COVID, how did it impact those different projects that you were working on? Absolutely. Um, I'll work backwards from what I just did. So with, uh, with Young Company, we have Saturday morning classes uh, that go essentially year round that switched very quickly to um, online instruction. We usually go 9.30 to 12.30, but um, Matt very quickly organized Elise Settleman, who is another core faculty member of that program and I, to record, start recording um, short videos, daily habits, which we would send out um, through the course of the pandemic to all of the YC cohorts. Um, just to make sure that we had connection with them. And we actually, Matt would receive um, feedback sometimes from parents who said that they were uh, doing some of the things that we were talking about. Um, we also shortened our, uh, we, we decided to work online through Zoom. And though all three of us coming from the same perspective as Shantae, which was, oh gosh, you know, this is, we're all about being in person. We discovered that it was more successful when we, than we anticipated it might be in terms of being able to transmit instruction. Um, so we would have a warm up and a get together and then we would split into three classes for about um, 45 minutes or an hour or so. Um, for my spring instruction, uh, I was at Marquette, actually. I had a class of 50 students, and I think the biggest 
hurdle to that was what Shantae mentioned as well, that many of the students, um, as, as every, everyone had gone home for spring break. So one major thing is access. Um, what, what learning environment or uh, devices or connections students had to be able to continue to learn online. Um, and how we actually could continue to, which is the key to online uh, instruction at universities is engagement. How we could continue to keep uh, the, a level of engagement between uh, among professors and students that was uh, fruitful. But then also how to work with the cognizance that everybody is experiencing a kind of trauma and some much more than others through the pandemic. So, so trauma mitigation is actually, and community building is actually, I think, became very quickly the number one goal that, that we as faculty had. Um, for MCT, actually, we had completed the majority of our playwriting residences, residencies the, the previous fall. So we only had a few to wrap up. We lost some um, work in school, but, but connected with the teacher who was providing some uh, opportunities for passive instruction. Um, we also were able to complete one with one of our partners um, online. So he, he worked with us and was able to schedule Zoom conferencing where he was present. Um, my associate who teaches many of the residencies, Samantha Martinson, was also present um, to, uh, to complete instruction and then to complete um, feedback, which is a, a major part of the residency. Uh, and one thing that didn't have to pivot, which was nice, oh God, that word is so overused these days, but I, it, that's, that's, what, that's the word, um, is that a lot of our communication with students in those playwriting residencies as they start to write ends up being via um, Google Docs or other uh, online work as they're writing. So fortunately, we were able to connect and get a lot of our um, a lot of submissions to the competition, only a few less than we had had the previous year, strikingly enough. So again, well, many hats, you get a long story. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Um, Dee Dee, David, so you uh, work year round for American Players Theater. Obviously it's a summer performance schedule for, for that company, um, but with educational programs throughout the year. So, so just describe some of your projects and responsibilities that you have when we're able to do them without worrying about, you know, a global pandemic. Oh, okay. So we, we'll go into classrooms K through 12 and uh, we present poetry and Shakespeare and theater for that age group. We do we serve uh, lifelong learners. We've been in the prison systems, Wisconsin prison systems for the last uh, three years. Um, and we do uh, homeschool and community groups. So they'll contact us and ask us about programming that we have, and then we get to know them. And then we take the programs that we have and we carve, tailor, shift, evolve them to fit their needs. And uh, that's what we do. We travel all over. We get to know. We get to know a lot of folks in the state. And then, what are some of the educational um, efforts that you have during the performance season? 
Well, during the performance season, it is mostly uh, audience engagement. So depending on what the season fair is that we have on the Hill, we will do projects that engage the audience in, in that particular story. So uh, let's see, last year we did, uh, we did a series for Twelfth Night where we had previous casts because uh, some of us are of an age where we can remember previous productions and we're in previous productions. So uh, it's really nice when you have uh, four pucks together uh, talking about it, or you have three Malvolios talking about each other's different, very different productions. So the, our audiences really like to be engaged that way. Sometimes it's a direct uh, engagement on the, the background of the play or the historical context of the play. And other times it really is about the context of APT and theater going at APT. And then there's usually a, a like a teen camp program as well, yes? Yes, actually, we have that coming up in about uh, two, three weeks. Yeah. And is that going to be all on Zoom this year? It is. It is. And this is, um, uh, I, I think Marcy said it, Marcy said it was great, but it's, it's you know, it, I, hmm, how do we say this? Because we've been talking to local teachers as well. And one of the things that I was really adamant about the camp, changing the camp, having the kind of changes we'd have to make to make it online was that we didn't want it to be a band-aid. This is not something we're going to do until we can get back and do the real camp. Because I, I, I think that is a waste of time and effort. So we had to strip everything away and get down to what is it that the camp is. It, it, if it is about engagement, if it's about firing, setting that spark off in a student, then I don't care if it's Zoom. I don't care if it's in a big open room and we all lay on the floor. And I don't care if it's behind prison bars. It, if, if, if it's about engagement, then it's about engagement. And so we, we stripped everything back from the camp and we went right back to ground zero. And Zoom just happens to be the platform that we're going to be using. But it's not, Zoom is not the center of the experience. And that was really, it was really tricky to find out all the ways that we were like, well, if we were in camp, we would, we would just always find ourselves saying that. Well, if we were on stage, we'd be doing this. So we have to kind of jam that inside this little box that is Zoom. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And part of what the camp is, is creating creative artists. And so part of being a creative artist is, wow, Zoom sucks. I know. I, I wonder what you're going to do to make your show interesting, because I have no idea. <laughs> but you're the creative artist, so what are you going to do? And it just, <laughs> it makes them responsible as artists, as artists, to create and connect with an audience. And that learning will serve them no matter what their venue is. Yeah. If they get on stage or if they're television or if they're still stuck in Zoom 20 years later. So that, that just, yeah, I know that just makes them better creative artists. So that's what we've really been doing is trying to strip down everything that we do because we're very interactive and get down to the baseline of how do we engage with people regardless of the format? How do we engage with people? Yeah. Shantae. Um, so now that it's, you know, getting into August, the uh, sort of winding down the summer, what uh, what do you know about how at least the fall at, at Juilliard, it, how that's going to be approached? Um, you know, what are you thinking is going to be the, the format this year? Yeah, this is all subject to change, but they've decided that we're going to do a block schedule. 
And we're going to start in August, um, sometime near the end of August. And our first block is going to go from the end of August to October, like mid-October. And that's all going to be on Zoom. Um, and then, you know, God willing, we'll start in school in like a hybrid version in October. Um, and that will be the second block and, you know, we'll do all that. And then once we come back from Christmas break, <laughs> they're expecting to just fully be in person for the rest of the year. So that'll be interesting. Um, and I don't know if it's going to work out, but I mean, New York is doing pretty okay. So maybe, um, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to go into June instead of ending in May. Okay. Is there... Um, as you think about the first block and knowing that it's going to all be online, knowing um, what you learned from the spring, is there anything that you're just really hoping um, gets addressed or, or shifted or changed for this time? I think I think there were a lot of <laughs> I think there were a lot of unfair expectations in terms of what access everybody had to things and that was really difficult because you know everybody at school comes from a different background a lot of the kids are either celebrities or family members of celebrities and they have a lot and for you know those students who don't it was it was difficult the expectations are difficult so I hope I hope that they, you know, shift their mindset and realize that not everybody has the same things. <laughs> yeah, well said. Um, Marcy, as you look at this, um, we're not going to talk about the next year. That's crazy talk. <laughs> Who knows? But as you look at the next, you know, I don't know, four to six months with your various hats, mm -hmm. um, how are you approaching your different projects for the fall? Uh, with all of the conversations that I'm having at all of the organizations, one thing that seems to be a through line is to prepare for virtual as a default. And then if things become safe, so this is, I guess, a little bit of an echo of what Shante said too, if things become safe, if things, if things seem to work out, to be able to... Uh, come back in person or at least uh, for a certain time. So a couple quick examples of that are um, with, with one of the higher academic institutions that with which I'm working, they're according to the wishes of the students really and their thoughts, their desire to be with one another and to be in person with professors, they, um, they moved the semester up a week um, so that they could send students home by Thanksgiving and exams will be online if that works out. Another has um, decided that the first week of classes will be virtual to be able to stagger move in time so that families can social distance appropriately um, as students are moving into dorms. Um, for uh, MCT, we are, uh, I'm, I'm looking at planning, uh, at, at, at offering all of our teacher partners um, options for totally virtual residencies or in some cases compressed residencies. And I'm also looking at some perhaps out of the box ways to be able to 
get access to students or schools or teachers through social media via shorter programming. And um, that might end up eventually becoming a broader part of what the Young Playwrights Festival showcase offerings are all about. So, so again, I think the through line is considering what we need to do virtually, um, using that as a foundation and and knowing, because it's easier for us to be in person, frankly, <laughs> um, uh, we know how to do that already, to, to know that we can shift very quickly and flexibly to being with one another. Access is a big consideration. It's maybe the major consideration besides trauma mitigation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so David, you're your work in education for APT outside of the, the projects you do while the performance season is running is so massively um, embedded with schools and school districts around, around the state. And obviously, you know, right now we're, we're seeing the domino effects of, of different districts making their decisions for at least the first part of the fall. So how, how, is, how are your programs looking as you look at the few months ahead? Well, so there are two layers of decision-making. There's the decisions that I make about how we work in the classroom and the engagement and how does engagement, engagement work when you're six feet apart or how does engagement work when you're on Zoom. And then there's the other level, my boss, <laughs> Carrie, Carrie will say, uh, no, we're not, no, no, no teaching artist is going into the classroom. I'm going to decide that. I'm going to keep my people safe. So there are those two levels, and uh, she's got her job to do, and I've got mine. And we're, it really is about, I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it really is about what's the best way to get those guys connected. So I was actually reading about prisoners of war when they're, uh, when they're separated in their own cells. It wasn't a, any kind of face-to-face -face communication, and it wasn't that, you know, I got to touch another human being. It was just that they were communicating back and forth. It's, they were being heard with one another. And so part of our Zoom experience in the classroom is making sure that, well, right now, as we're, we're, we're talking over Zoom, even though this is an audio podcast, we're talking over Zoom, and there are muted mics. There are muted mics. And in a classroom experience, because we, we've already taught some uh, classes like this, it's really easy when you mute to disconnect. It, to just disconnect from the conversation. And there are good reasons. I mean, the cat, the dog, the kids, the wind, the street cleaner, those are all good reasons, but it disconnects you. And so one of the things that we do is everybody's got to stay unmuted and that we use names as often as we can. And we turn that conversation from instructor or teaching artist, guest artist, we turn that from me to them to them to them. We're trying to get them to speak as much as we can, and then break them into pods or smaller groups so that there is more engagement time and less listening time. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's how we're shifting. That's not shifting, but getting down to that base foundational level and starting to build up again. Did I answer your question? You totally did. You totally did. That was fantastic. As you, so as we start to, to wind this conversation down, I'm, I'm curious if there are aspects of um, 
the new programming, the new techniques, the new considerations, are there things that you already know you want to carry with after we've moved through this period of time, you know, as we start to at least fantasize about a, a post-COVID theater, a, a post-COVID educational system, um, whatever that's going to look like, are there um, new skills or new approaches that you've adapted with that you feel like you would want to hang on to? I'll, I'll go with you, Didi. We'll go, we'll go backwards. <laughs> <through the road. laughs> uh, yes, all of it. Um, I think that, uh, like I just said, that I think we're always engaging when we're in a classroom as, as education artists, as teaching artists, we're always engaging with students in the classroom. And Zoom makes that much more difficult. It's talking with a cork in your mouth. It is uh, pulling a giant tractor tire behind you. It is resistance muscle work. And you have to step up. You have to engage and make yourself stronger to break through that Zoom medium. And when Zoom goes away, your engagement, woo, you, oh, you're going to be so sharp in the classroom. Nothing's going to get by you. <laughs> so I think, um, again, I'm trying to find the, the, the positive ways that we can look and use our limited resources and Zoom to make us better at what we do whenever we do it, however we do it. And one of them is this kind of engagement that we're talking underwater and that when that water goes away, we're just going to be better talkers. We're going to, our, our elocution will be so crisp and bright and wonderful because we've had to We've had to speak underwater for so long. So that is that whole skill base of engagement is going to be, I can't wait to see how good we get engaging through Zoom. At the other end, it's going to be wonderful. I love that. Marcy, how about you? Um, I think this treads the line on all of the hats I wear in all of the organizations. Um, there has been, not only because of the pandemic, but of course also because of um, social and racial justice movements uh, accelerating right now, I think there's a much higher consciousness of inequity, inequity of access, um, uh, inequity of materials, uh, inequity of approaches to instruction. And that's something, that, that higher consciousness, that higher awareness is something that, um, I know all of my colleagues with whom I work and I are certainly um, on a, an amazing, um, excruciating in the best possible way learning curve about. Um, we're going to carry that forward, of course. Uh, I think it goes without saying, but it, it should go without saying, but it, it must be said. Um, the second thing I think is that many of the students with whom I work have come out of a very often come out of a, a long system of schooling now that is much more about getting the quick answer and also coming out of past receiving instruction rather than activating themselves in their own instruction. And I think both with online learning and with the kind of work that we do, the shift to asking students to participate to dip their toe in a little bit more. For instance, with one of my college syllabi, I'm actually going to ask 
um, my group of students to build a unit themselves. What do they want to explore? So, um, so asking students and empowering them to direct their own learning in a way is something that is, um, I think, crucial. And I, I think maybe also speaks to what Didi said about um, really, <laughs> really pushing through the veil um, and, and deepening our engagement. Yes. Yes. Well, and as uh, as it should be the case in any conversation about education, uh, it feels right that we both started and 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 finish up with the students amongst us, um, Shante. Uh, is there anything that you feel like this experience over these past months and looking at the, the next several months ahead? Is there is there any aspect of this uh, time that you're feeling? Um, grateful for or empowered by? It's okay if the answer is no. Um, but is there? But is there anything that you feel like you're going to be glad to carry with you going forward? Yeah, um, I think being because I've been completely in solitude this whole time. Like I'm just living by myself for the past whatever four or five months. So I think just like being able to take that self-reliance with me and know that I am able to overcome anything, <laughs> work, work by myself, be creative by myself, all of that. And also for some reason, I worked really effectively over Zoom. So I heard by my teachers when we were doing reviews, but I don't, I'm not exactly sure what that was because, you know, kind of blacked out the whole rest of the semester, but being able to take that whatever that way I was working back into the classroom um, is really important to me. So I'm going to try to, you know, name what that was, repeat it and do it next year too. Yes. I, I know all of us, all of us here are just, you know, we, we so adore you and are excited to see where your career goes next. And I'm glad you've been able to uh, wade through all of this water, as Didi was saying, <laughs> of this crazy time. And yes, there's no, no doubt that you and, and all of your fellow students will be so much stronger at the end. And, you know, I'm, I'm the parent of high school students. I'm a parent of middle school student. I'm a parent of a college student. And just to talk about um, what this next few months or year or so looks like is really, um, I'm feeling a little better after talking with all of you, knowing how hard uh, everyone's working, students and teachers, to make this as good an experience as, as possible. Thank you all so much um, for this conversation. It's, it's been an absolute joy. Um, and we'll say that that's it for this episode of Theater Forward, a conversation about theater in Wisconsin, the Midwest, and America. Thank you for joining us. And my deepest thanks to Shante Miller, David Daniel, and Marcella Kearns for their time and generosity. Our podcast is produced by Scott Hayden, and you can follow us or share your thoughts on Facebook or Twitter at Theater Forward. As Mike Fisher will always remind you, as always, that's with an ER. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or your preferred platform. Be sure to leave a review. We are so grateful to have you listening, and we will be back soon for another Theater Forward conversation. Mm -hmm.